This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Let the train! You are listening to Vincent, I am Dooner. Here with the dude. Hey, man, it does feel good to be back. Hey, welcome everybody. Friday afternoon from the heart of Freight Alley. What's going on, my friend? It's, How it's, was your trip? It, it's so hard to get like that work muscle memory out there. It takes like all a vacation to like get that working memory yeah. of having to go to work and do these show scripts and these processes and all these things. And then like by the time vacation is over, you're there. Yeah. But then you got to come right back here. And, yeah. As soon as, and, and yeah, sit as, next soon as that to muscle you. relaxes, you got to. <laughs> you're like, oh, God. I had a good time. I Not find his so, ugly face again. <laughs> Uh, one of like my formative memories growing up was seeing like the original Jurassic Park when I was okay, like yeah. eleven years old in the theater, and it was amazing. So, but my wife wouldn't let my five and seven year old see those movies for a while. But I finally, Camp Crustaceous helped. I finally showed them the original Jurassic Park, and during vacation, I was able to convince her to let me take them to the new Jurassic Park Big movie. Big screen. This is supposed to be the final movie in the series, right? Okay. Final movie in the series it's supposed to bring all the cast back together. Um, it, it the last one, the one before it ends, all the dinosaurs like well, somehow fifty dinosaurs get loose at the end of Fallen Kingdom, and somehow okay. they end up populating the whole world. And that's what this movie was supposed to be about. Even like the um, the uh. prologue they put out showed like the world taken over by dinosaurs. Okay. So the movie comes out, and the plot of this movie isn't actually that dinosaurs are everywhere. Like, that has happened. Like, they do live everywhere, but it's worked out fine for everybody. So the they're problem, just, like, domesticated now? They're just domesticated, but the problem now isn't dinosaurs. <laughs> it's actually locusts. Now there's all these locusts that <laughs> want to eat all the organic crops, but they won't eat the Monsanto crops. So somehow they figure out that there's, like, these prehistoric locusts that the same company that made the dinosaurs from Jurassic Park made, and then that's how, like, the whole gang gets together and, uh, and goes solve it. Although, my kids gave it a 10 out of 10, so. I'll, uh, well, obviously, they could follow that plot. It made sense to them. It made, it made sense to them. That's awesome. It was a little long. You know, what's funny, though, speaking of long, like Stranger Things 4, they just wrapped that up, that conclusion, and it was yeah. like two, yeah. like four hour episodes. One of them was like, the last one was like two hours and 27 minutes. Wow. It was almost as long as this Jurassic Park movie. It's almost as long as the wait times in uh, Miami. I liked it. They brought Master <laughs> Puppets back, though. So with the kids, though, the oh. Zoomers, they've gotten the Zoomers into Running Up That Hill by Kate Bush, and yeah, now yeah, 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 Master yeah. of Puppets in the, uh, the Master of Puppets yeah. is in there? Sweet. Yeah. I might watch it just for that. Good stuff. Well, we got a lot going on today, including yes. talking about the first autonomous ocean vessels and maritime AI as a service. We're going to talk about port contract talks, what's going on in there. We even have a robot fire, maybe. The latest in track and trace using tech to enhance brokerages, recruiting, and more. Let's get into it. But first, we got to go tip this band. You know what we got today? Did you know that AIT Worldwide Logistics is one of the fastest growing freight forwarders out there? I happen to know that, yes. I they do. grew by 400% over the last five years, earning a spot on Crane Chicago Business Fast 50 list. That's right. How do they do it, though? By earning their customers' trust with cost-effective, customized global supply chain solutions. Why don't you find out how your business can benefit when you visit? Tell them, dude. Hey, go to AITWorldwide.com immediately after this show. We have a special guest co-host that's going to join us on the stage. Now, come on over here. We're recruiting you to our show, Hot Seat Services. Charles Gracie. 
I have a uh, honorary. Now I finally have shirts too. So now we've been having co-hosts this summer. I can actually give you guys a parting gift. Wow. If you come down here to Chattanooga and sit between us. There you go, sure. Brand new. They're in the Water Truck Shop now too. We got reloaded. Nice. That's Thank right. you. Hats That's coming right. in next week. That's right. I have to get me one of those. No, you just you just moved to Chattanooga from uh, from Chicago, right? I, I did. You got welcomed by this rainstorm. Play that clip that Hallie took yesterday. Raining sideways. Now I'm from Boston. We get some weather, and the scary thing is things like this in the Boston area. We have all these old trees, old thin trees, yeah. and they always just like fall on cars and fall on people and uh, crush a house. I didn't have any tree activity yesterday, but I, like the, my dog jumped out of its skin. My dog had like a near-death experience with all that. <laughs> I just brought that with me for you guys. <laughs> did, you yeah. get, did you get hit pretty hard where you were? It wasn't bad. It lasted yeah. for about 15 minutes and then ended. Yeah, he's in here. You're up, you're up near Nyanek of the Woods where he comes up split and then goes around. Yeah, for it some lasts five, it ten minutes. It's gone. It's bipolar weather. Yeah. Why did you move Hot Seat Services down to the Chattanooga area from up in Chicago? Uh, well, we just wanted a change in pace. We wanted to move myself, and we're a fully remote company, so it made sense for us to move it down south and uh, establish our footprint in the south, back well, where my roots were from. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Your roots are just from south of here, just south of here, right? Just yeah, across just the border in, in Dalton, Georgia. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so what are you liking it different than it was when you left? How old are you left? Well, about eight, nine. Okay, oh. all right. So it's changed a bit since then. Yeah. What do you like the most so far? You've been here a couple of weeks. I like the outdoorsiness. Um, I, I definitely like the people and the weather a little bit better. Uh, the heat doesn't really bother me as much. The people uh, and people. the weather. What's wrong with those Chicago ones? You just, <laughs> just dish Chicago. <laughs> yeah, it's just a different culture, and uh, I got rid of my snowblower, which was a huge plus. Yeah. I don't blame you know Chicago people. They were a little arrogant that time when we had that debate between Chicago and Chattanooga. Now Chattanooga got its ass kicked in that debate, if you know, in my opinion. But <laughs> but they could have been a little kinder about it. <laughs> they could have been nicer about it. So what's so what's next for Hot Seat Services now that you're down here? You're gonna recruit all these drivers from the southeast area. You're gonna take over the country, the globe. What what's doing? So you know, uh, the goal was to get down here and establish a firm footprint in the south. We already service nationwide carriers, but uh, being here on site getting into some of the carriers on site and being able to see how their operations are and better serve them and offer uh, solutions to problems as far as processes and recruitment go well you know why didn't you move to minnesota michael vincent because we saw that article that some am radio station in minnesota put out <laughs> yeah. claiming that they were short five thousand drivers in minnesota you took some umbrage with that though didn't you yeah was, yeah I, I, my bs meter went through the roof when i saw that one right minnesota uh, or minneapolis in particular five thousand drivers short yeah. is what they were trying to say like okay i don't uh... there's plenty of drivers out there i yeah. think it's just a matter of getting the right offers in front of the right drivers and how you present your company is well, they, they need to be less empowered right because they can just leave and go oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah turnover's not bad we've empowered our drivers to be able to just leave at any second <laughs> so what is the market like for drivers this summer so we've already seen the big downturn in rates we see what fuel is has that impacted hiring of drivers at all it's given them a variety of choices and between that and the fact that a lot of driver engagement has boomed over the last month uh, it's created its own problem where drivers are worried about what's coming with the whole recession talk, but at the same time, they're seeing these opportunities because carriers are having to be very competitive in order to remain relevant in today's market. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I saw you your, your post for uh, Father's Day weekend. 
right? And I thought it was it was brilliant. It was the sentiment was was awesome. But I also thought it was brilliant. Some of the point that you you made about you know drivers forget. Hey, they're coming in for training next week. You got to reach out and you got to talk to these guys. But you said it in such a way that this is something you need to do all the time and let them know that they care. They're not just a member or a number, right? Yeah, absolutely. So you're recruiting for drivers. How do you transfer that to the to your clients to make them see that? I think constantly remembering where it was when I was a driver and constantly looking at the vantage point of the drivers in today's market and how many options they have, being able to angle yourself in a way that's different from everyone else is going to be relevant. It's going to help you remain relevant. And I think a lot of times in the processes and procedures that carriers uh, put in place, they lose that touch. So by keeping the culture on the forefront of how you're recruiting a driver and letting them know that you care, that this is their livelihood, you're not selling them a car. Yeah, yeah. They uh, might actually show up for training. Yeah, maybe. It's possible. <laughs> people, like to be, people like to be seen, drivers and Charles. And I moved the belt for you, Charles, too. You're getting, <laughs> you're getting a little covered up by that one. He looked like it that. almost looked like there was an autonomous speaker behind this <laughs> microphone. But now we have it moved. You look fantastic. Send them to the wheel of stupid questions, Michael. Oh, let's do that. All right, here we go, brother. Are you ready? Absolutely. All right. Do dogs know that they're dogs? Probably not. I hope so, though. You hope so. <laughs> you don't want them getting any ideas like they could take over the world or anything like that. No, right? we don't need like Planet of Apes dog version coming up. That's right. And okay. I got two of them. <laughs> what kind of dogs do you have? I got two German Shepherds. Oh, oh Shepherds. Awesome. Yeah, nice absolutely. Ones. Absolutely love them. All right. Let's go to our uh, first guest, though. Let's, well, second guest. I guess you're the, well, you're the co host. I guess you don't really count as a guest. I don't do count. You? No, you want to find out about guest. autonomous vehicles? You want to ta- find out about maritime as a service? Absolutely. Let's I know. See. I sure as hell do. Absolutely. Let's bring this gentleman up. I'm looking at Mohammed right now. He looks fantastic. Mohammed, please introduce yourself to our wonderful What the Truck audience. Thank you, Tim. Um, I'm Mohammed Sadmastik. I'm the founder of uh, Black Sail. We do uh, maritime AI as a service. And uh, that basically means like, you know, putting some more AI in ships and um, uh, autonomy in the future. So, yep. um, but now I'm a little bit jealous, honestly, Tim, because like uh, you gave him a t-shirt, you didn't give me a t-shirt and uh, <laughs> like, you know, I, I'm with just John like... before. So like, <laughs> well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I am a Bostonian, and I know that you guys are based out in Boston, so there's a good chance I could get out there sometime. But Boston. I got to ask you, how do you like it? How do you like Beantown over there? And uh, what's your favorite restaurant? Um, I, I really lo- love the city. I think you know, I'm more of a Cambridge kind of guy. Mm. Uh, I like to walk everywhere, and uh, I don't think there's a there's like a limit on like you know good restaurants like. You know, uh, especially, I think around like in Harvard Square, I think are the ones that I like the most. Yeah, the, the correct answer was uh, the gas lamp over. Oh, is that the yeah. correct one? Yeah, it's the same. <laughs> What's the oldest oyster house in the United States? What's that one? That you, what you know, it? I'm talking that really small one. You mean oyster house? Yeah, is that what it's called? Oyster yeah. house, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a that's, big tourist trap. That's me. Uh, yeah, I love that place though, man. It's delicious. Well, this guy, he's done more important things than eat oysters. He has built some of the world's first autonomous ferries, and he's making AI as a service. Tell us a little bit about how you got involved in uh, this really exciting and growing space? Yeah. Um, I think when, when I grew up, I didn't really, like, you know, enjoy, like, you know, the water. I think I still don't enjoy the water as much, like, you know, especially not getting wet. Like, being on the water, I'm fine. Um, but there was, like, you know, this competition uh, that NATO organized about um, autonomous underwater vehicles when we were students, and I participated. And I think being in Italy, like, and look in the middle of the summer, like, you know, just like, you know, on 
uh, on shore and like, you know, playing with robots, I think they're really going to be excited about it. And like people do this for a living. I want to do that. I think that's uh, how it all started. Interesting. So, Mohammed, what, what what is marine autonomy as a service? Please explain. Yeah, sure. So, you know how now today, a bunch of companies um, are selling like some sort of autonomy, especially like around trucks. So I think I feel like mm-hmm. you know, these days, the way we're approaching it in the maritime and like you know with black sail is that we do not want to replace anybody yet. The um, Today, there's a shortage of uh, seafarers that's like, you know, known. So we're trying to approach this as a solution for what is going on. You guys are probably familiar with what happened with El Faro, uh, probably happened what happened like, you know, with the USS Fitzgerald. The Navy lost six sailors like, you know, that in that accident. And most recently, like you know, what happened with the Evergreen getting stuck in the Suez Canal and like, you know, mm-hmm. having like a bunch of problems for the whole world. So we're coming in. And then providing a service to these ship owners for, from an operational perspective, where the AI is supporting the decision of the captains and the crew bridge to navigate safely and prevent accidents. These accidents that, for example, happen in Suez Canal happen all the time. There's about 3,000 like, you know, of them every year. And that's like not like, you know, very no. Of course, they're not the scale up like you know, what happens in Suez Canal disrupting the whole supply chain. But... Every week, for example, there's a ship that's declared a total loss from uh, from uh, an insurance perspective, and that's the stuff that we're trying to prevent uh, with our technology. Gotcha. Is it is it all navigation type based, or is there is there other functions within those on those ships and in maritime that can be autonomized? So uh, today, really, like you know, we're focusing on the navigation. The don't forget that like you know, ships are just like huge, like basically power plants. They uh, run um, 24-7. They need people like, you know, watching over them. Uh, and then when people come out and say, oh, yeah, we're going like, to have a fully autonomous ship and a manned ship, like, you know, that's like, you know, pretty much like, you know, down in the future because uh, an engine room needs to be manned. Like, you know, the stuff that breaks most of the time uh, are like, you know, something happening with like the mechanics and how the ship propulsion is, is happening. So that, I think, is going like, you know, to take a while um, to be in manned. But for now, we're really like, you know, looking at the bridge how can we navigate like you know, safer and more efficiently? You know, gotcha. whenever something like this comes up, there's always like a guy in the back of the room. He comes up with autonomous trucks. You know, what happens if a hacker or a rogue government takes control of the autonomous truck or the autonomous vessel? What kind of fail safes do you have to consider when designing something like this? Of course, like there's there's a bunch of like you no know, cybersecurity um, perspective. For us, for example, the AI is the always the one that takes control. A human, we do not allow remote control for now uh, because we do not feel confident enough that there is like enough safety security layers to protect us from such attacks. So we have that limitation where the AI is taking control all the time from, of course, the uh, our black sail uh, perspective. The human can always take control from the helm himself and then uh, navigate the vessel, override the commands. But the moment we start sailing autonomously, uh, we do not allow any other um, computer to basically take control by the AI that's currently running on board the system. So, uh, Mohammed, is this something that would be beneficial to like uh, harbor pilots? You know, when they have to come in, they gotta they gotta come up the. Fence. Could they actually take control uh, remotely yeah. through this? So it's it's an excellent question, but this is for honestly, it's one of the hardest also things to solve. Uh, 
today, like navigating in the open ocean is relatively easy. Um, most of the stuff that you will see, whether in radar or going to encounter like with your vessel, um, is far enough, visible enough in radar, you have time to react to it. And the weather doesn't change that much. When you come to the to the, the port and you need pilots, over there is like when you really need the human experience. And that's where you you see pilots like you know, being paid really well. And because like you know, they have not a lot of experience and knowledge, but also because they're taking a lot of risks. So we would love to help them with minimizing the risk, but to we cannot right now deliver and guarantee the service that we want them so they can basically dock the vessel uh, as they would be uh, if they were on board. So we're not targeting that yet. And honestly, from, from our perspective on the vision, like you know, bringing autonomy on, um, we think that that's going to be probably the last step. Uh, we're focusing now on the open ocean uh, where, for example, for us, we call it like maritime autonomy as a service also because we're not heavy on hardware. It's basically a software that we install on board, like the recent vessels for the, the old vessels. It's just um, a computer that we ship to them that they connect. And uh, that's all we offer that can navigate in the open ocean. As we get closer to the shore, probably we're going to need more sensors that we're not deploying just yet. And then the last step, like you say, for pilots, that's going to be left um, uh, to, to the end. Gotcha. Gotcha. Interesting. The variable to toggle between the user and being fully autonomous if there's an issue or a sensor issue or anything along those lines? Yeah. So today, actually, the moment the captain puts his hand again on the helm or, like, you know, issues a new command, um, that automatically overrides the, the AI. Um, and that's as, um, of course, like the, the failsafe because we, so far, we are trying to build trust uh, in our system. So that the captains and the crew sees it, like that it, they can be trustworthy. So we do that in different sense, where like uh, in different sorry terms, where first we give them like an iPad that gives them the recommendations. They can look at it whether they want to follow it or not. Like it's really up to them. Later, when they're trusty, they can turn on a switch, and that will send the commands that are shown on the iPad then to um, the uh, ship to be controlled and give them the right, of course, to always override. Think about this system as adaptive cruise control that you have now in cars. Um, even though, uh, again, autonomy, I think, you know, in the ground, I feel like it's going to be like, you know, taking like, you know, much longer because the reaction time that humans need to have when like a truck is going 70 miles an hour um, is like really, really fast for people to get, regain situation awareness. But we're talking about ships that are like really slow uh, that we can do predictions for us, for example, 12 minutes ahead and know where everything's going to be uh, in, in that time window. And that's how we help prevent. And if the human, like, even if he's having his coffee, like, you know, not looking around, no, not really a lot of situation awareness, can always have enough time to understand what's going on, understand what the AI is recommending, and then from there take control if, uh, if he doesn't trust uh, what it's doing. You know, a company like Evergreen could could really use something like, like that. After a couple, they go those recent every yeah. spring, every spring they got a new one Listen, in there. Yeah. Don't get me in trouble, but yes, I, I won't. I won't try. <laughs> I, they can be bad at me, not not you. You're doing you're doing the Lord's work. Out there. <laughs> he's, no, he's saying his pitch wrong. Hey, well, we had a stupid question of of the day. We're gonna throw it to you. You're a smart guy. He might have a good answer here. Uh, Do dogs yeah. know they're dogs? I think dogs. No, they're like humans. 
the way they look at you and like, you know, the expression in their like, you know, based on the eye contact, I feel like, you know, no other uh, animal does that. Uh, so they know they're kind of dogs, but they feel like family. So that's, I, a, you know, I would say, yeah, that's a great answer. No, I agree. I agree with that. Your, your summation of like the dog yeah. human experience. And, and they do, if your, your pet is part, they of, your part of the they family, they give you that look. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. They, they, they know their role in the family. They know who they are in the pack and it you yeah. know fits perfectly. I don't know right. about it. They know I think they're also they very glad that they're dogs. Yeah. Well, some humans, too. well, maybe you don't know your role <laughs> that the dog owns. Mohammed, before we let you go, where can people learn more about what you're up to? I know you're still in some early innings here, but is there a website or something they can go check it out? Yeah, like, you know, our website is www.blacksail.ai. Um, they can sign up uh, so far for the um, beta. So we're filtering basically people that sign up and like, you know, having uh, early conversations to know actually if we can deliver to them. Of course, as we grow and become a bigger company, probably going to open it up more to beta users. And um, this is like, you know, something um, that we're only announcing now and today, which is we're having a smaller product a subset, basically, that we want to open for a little bit of like uh, leisure and like, you know, pleasure boats. Like if you have a small yacht, like you can um, soon order a small system with an iPad that will give you basically the same capabilities. We're not going to control your vessel. We're only going to help you not get into trouble with your uh, brand new boat. Very cool. Hey, thank you much. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for sharing all the info with us and coming on the show. You have a great weekend. And like we said, come down to the studio sometime or maybe I'll catch you out in Cambridge, Boston area. All right. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, everyone. Yeah, Talk yeah, to you guys see. soon. See, Evergreen, they need that. They need that full control thing, like the like the uh, golf cart did when yeah. we were up in Virginia. Remember, I was trying to go down that way, and you say you can't go that way, and then the, the, the cart just stopped and wouldn't let us get, let us go any further. Well, longtime listeners, yeah, and that had a speed limit on it too. Yeah, We've yeah, seen yeah. some of this tech in action in a golf cart, and yeah. eh, a little questionable, but maybe the boat's a little bit, yeah. a little bit better. Yeah. Brave new world, though. Brave yeah, new world, exciting. man. Big changes this tech. Another guy who's at the forefront of it, Michael Colin. He's the founder and CEO over at Movement or MV. M N T. It's been a minute since I talked to you uh, earlier in the spring, Mike. How you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you doing? How uh, I'm doing awesome. Just had a great Fourth of July. Um, <laughs> when I talked to you last time, I talked. I caught him a couple months ago on this show I used to do called Freightways Insiders, and we had this big long conversation about filming, forming the company. It sounded like you're up to some really exciting stuff. Get us up to date for those of us who were a part of that conversation. What's new over at Movement before we jump into this uh, into this uh, digital brokerage stuff? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, a lot of exciting things. I, uh, I also had an exciting 4th of July. I spent the Tuesday resodding my uncle's backyard uh, after blowing off enough fireworks. So um, that was exciting. Nice. But <clears throat> at the, uh, yeah, my family does it every year. But uh, no, uh, you know, at Movement, we're, you know, when we talked on Freightways Insiders, we had, for the most part, talked about us building a, you know, a freight ecosystem largely around the TMS um, and enabling kind of small and medium sized companies, both shippers, and brokers, and then moving on to carriers. And really, you know, since we've talked, um, had a lot of exciting releases on kind of the brokerage TMS front and, and a lot of why we're talking about uh, what we're talking about today. Excellent stuff. So I got a question for you. Does digital freight mean the death of digital brokers? So <clears throat> I think, no. Um, I think digital freight doesn't mean the death of brokerage at all, um, whether they're digital or not. Um, one of the things that, and, and this also is something that I think that like for me and I think for anybody else in freight, we've, 
we've been having this conversation for a long time, right? And it feels kind of like a bit of a stale conversation. Um, you know, we've seen over the last four years, people talking about digital freight, how it's going to change the entire ecosystem, uh, how it's going to change the face of brokerage and disintermediate uh, everybody in the middle. Um, and I think over the, the past few years, we've seen like $4 billion worth of VC money flow into that, seen the limitations of some of that model. Um, but for myself, and as I talk to VC still, um, you know, for our fundraising and also for other you know, startups in the space, I, we're still having the conversation. Um, people still think um, that digital freight is going to completely disintermediate the broker. And, you know, for us, our, our business model is basically predicated on the opposite assumption. Um, we think that, you know, the disintermediation conversation is really based on two false assumptions. First, that brokerage can be automated at all. Um, I think that, you know, having a strong command of your operations via technology is important. Um, there are a lot of things in, you know, take our world, the TMS, that can be automated at a core level, like load building is a great example. Um, we see almost every single load in our TMS is uh, a same as last time rebuilt from a load that was moved previously, right? You're not doing the same thing over. And you can call that automation. Um, but completely removing the broker, one, is something that's not as easy as everybody thought it was four years ago. Uh, and then two, that as a result of any of this automation, that brokers would consolidate. Um, even still, you combine the top 10 brokerages and you've got like 4% market share. Um, and really, you know, our thought is that brokers, one, incredibly important, and two, not going to go anywhere, largely because carriers aren't going to completely consolidate, right? You have diseconomies of scale at the carrier level. And so that's going to make brokers a necessity far into the future and, and far more important than just a couple automated systems. Yeah, it's interesting because you, you recently wrote the long tail of brokerage is underserved by technology because most people that are spending time on the problems are trying to get rid of brokerages mm -hmm. rather than help them. That's that's really interesting. Now, from your perspective, too, when you're trying to present your solutions to other brokerages, do you do you see some of that like fear factor they they get from other tech solutions that they at least have the perception are trying to make them extinct? Um. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think that, I mean, look, if I was, if I was a small broker, I would hate VC. Um, you, like I said, you've seen $4 billion plus of, of money go into companies that compete with brokerages. Y Combinator wrote a, an article like a year ago on specifically how um, some of their portfolio companies were going to, you know, completely disintermediate brokerages. Um, and you've, you've seen nowhere near the same amount of money pour into the industry for companies to enable them. Right. And so I think that there's a there's definitely I don't know fear's the word that I would use um, mm. maybe you know uh, anger um, but <laughs> there's, definitely, there's definitely not there's definitely not the same amount of money going into enable brokerages right um, and I think that I think that's important I think that as long as these companies like I said on our mind are going to be here to stay that's what we're focused on you know yeah. when we raise capital that's who we're focused on enabling. I got two questions for you. One, where'd you get the throw pillows? Because I want what the truck throw pillows and <laughs> Two, should smaller players uh, in the markets really be jumping on this? Because it would wouldn't it give them a better ability to scale and give them a level uh, playing field with the big dogs? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So first, where the the throw pillows, I'll I'll, uh, I'll follow up over email because I'm not sure, not quite sure where we got the movement pillows. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think you know the 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 point of this conversation is not to say that <clears throat> small brokers shouldn't adopt technology um, to, you know, make themselves more competitive. Um, the point of this conversation, I think, in our minds is that <clears throat> they don't have the technology to do so, right? Um, Convoy, Uber Freight, even non-digital freight brokers um, like Echo and Coyote spend tens 
of millions of dollars on building their proprietary systems, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so small companies don't have the ability to do that. Um, and the companies that are raising money from VCs are just going to build the next, um, you know, kind of digital digital broker or digital marketplace rather than building something to allow these small brokers and medium-sized brokers to compete. So that's, I mean, that's ultimately what we do, right? Um, we build, and in our TMS, we take the same types of products that Echo uses on a day-to-day -day basis, Source Capacity or Coyote or Uber Freight or Convoy or any other large company um, and what they've built internally. And we're taking that downstream and we found a way to give that away for not only for free, um, but also enable things more than just technology through the TMS, right? Other parts of your operations like financial services um, and other products that help these people not only manage their technology better, um, but also their business as a whole. So um, I guess, yeah, definitely. Makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. So we talk about different things here, but what what is really the difference or can you define the difference between digital freight brokerage and managed freight software? What is what is the difference there? So that's a that's a good question. I mean, <clears throat> for us, we're, you know, we primarily and we're TMS, right? So um, the digital, you know, digital freight broker versus managed transportation software um, or um, any other type of technological intermediary, I think are in a lot of ways the same thing. Um, and I think a lot of times you see those are also still backstopped by people. Um, our our business model is not to not to put ourselves in the middle um, in that regard, um, but largely just to the people who do, whether it's whether it's digital, whether it's manual, um, give them the software to do it. So. No, gotcha. good stuff. Great answer. Uh, I've learned a lot on this, but now I hope to learn a little bit more about this stupid question of the day. <laughs> Do dogs know they're dogs, Michael? No, but elephants know they're elephants. Oh, do they? Have they passed that test? There's like they can paint themselves. Yeah, they're they're like they're able to. Elephants are straight up able to paint pictures of themselves. So I don't yeah, think dogs can do that though. There's a test where they put like a red dot on an animal's head and they make it pass a mirror. And if it notices, if it tries to like rub off the dot or at least acknowledge it, it in some way, then is. they're like self-aware they're in the mirror. But there's other like animal scientists who say that like that's just not the way dogs interact though. Dogs, their their leading thing is their scent. So if you put some weird scent on them, mm. and there's like a scent mirror, they would know. So that's what the dogs have to say. Ah, yeah. makes sense. Mine bark at their own reflection. I imagine they probably bark at you too. Do they ever not recognize <laughs> you? No, oh. they, they recognize me. I bark so. at my own reflection a lot of times. Well, Colin, for <laughs> all your throw pillow and TMS needs, where should we send people to? Uh, so you can find us on our website. It's mvmnt.io. Thank you so much for coming on here. And those of you, uh, go on freightways.com slash podcast and check out the long-form insiders I did with Michael as well. It's a good one. Right on, man. Take care, sir. Have a great weekend. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Do you remember what Vaughn Moore from AIT said last time he was on the show? Yeah, he said bigger is better. Yeah, no, better no. is better. He said bigger isn't better. Oh, he said better right. is that's better. Right. I, I misremembered. Yeah, so I next time don't say you remember if you don't. You misremembered <laughs> like Roger Clemens. Whether it's new offices in India, expanding life science operations in Europe, or acquiring one of the best final mile providers in the U.S., AIT's exponential growth is driven by anticipating and responding to customer needs. Discover how they can help your business gain fast, streamlined access to new markets at... at... AIT.worldwide.com. His
history lesson, Michael Vincent. For over 35 years, Fleetworthy Solutions has provided a single source of solutions to monitor and manage DOT compliance while mitigating risk for private and for hire carriers. With advanced technologies and exceptional client services, Fleetworthy becomes an extension of your team to make your company go beyond compliant good stuff all right oh, that's my favorite one we we get we've had that a couple uh couple months in a row so that's we've got to work on meanwhile <laughs> let's take a look at this guy coming home from work after oh Hey, that's my front door. to the best of us. <laughs> that was me coming home yesterday from work. <laughs> that, that's, when I was looking for houses last year, that was me at almost every open house. Because you know when they don't have a dining room table there, they got the low-hanging light fixture, yeah. and it just, like, takes you out? Not good. No, it's also not good. Some, like, uh, everybody in shipping, especially if you bring imports or you have exports out, everybody is scared about what's going on in the ports. The port contracts are actually, I believe they're not even operating with a contract right now. Is no. that correct? Let's talk to Lauren Began. She's a founder and CEO over at the Maritime Professor. She'll kind of get us up, up to speed on what's going on there. Lauren, good to see you. She's on mute. That punch. There we go. Oh. What happened? You, you like that I punch? Back? You're back. Yeah. How yeah. satisfying was that punch? Like, he didn't even miff it. Like, he went straight on. <laughs> oh, he smoked it. Didn't go through his windshield and his truck. It didn't just break his hand. He just smoked it. No, yeah. I was at a, at Grumpy's. There's this place. I don't know if you're able to take your kids there yet. You, you've been here only a couple of weeks. There's this place that has go-karts and arcade games called uh, Grumpy's or Goonies. Goonies. Or Goonies. Or Goonies. Or Goonies. They have one of those punching bag things, the punching bag yeah. arcade things where you put the money in. But I got, like, such a bad score last time. I was, I was, a, little, I was a little despondent. <laughs> Did it laugh at you? A little despondent. <laughs> Did it go... Come back later with your husband. Lauren, who's throwing a stronger <laughs> punch now? The International Longshoremen's Union or the Port Negotiators? What's happening there? They're not, they don't even have a contract right now? I know, no. So it's the International Longshore Warehouse Union, and they are renegotiating their contract with the Pacific Maritime Association, So, which is basically all the, all the shipping lines and terminal operators of the 20 West Coast ports. Um, so this is a really interesting time. Their contract expired as of July 1st. Mm-hmm. And so currently they're working without the contract. So what happens if a, if a discussion or if a conflict comes up, we're about to enter into some pretty crazy times again. I mean, congestion's looking like it's coming back. Yeah. So uh, let me ask you this. So the East coast ports, when do they negotiate? So they're on a different schedule and it's actually a different labor union. So it's oh, the okay. ILA, the international longshore association. So okay. we have the ILA on the East coast essentially, and the ILWU on the West coast. Okay, so they're completely separate entities. I didn't know if it was like Teamsters where you have central states, east states. And stuff. So do these guys often not yeah, work no. with, with con- like, is this typical to not work with a contract during a negotiation period? And how concerned yes. should you be? It's happened before, you know, so they put out a joint dis- a, a joint statement saying, you know, that they're not preparing for a long a longshore lockout or a strike. They don't want to disrupt any sort of operations. Um, neither party is preparing for that. But, you know, just because they said it, you know, who knows? It's it's just business love certainty. And right now we're in this very mm. uncertain period. We have the COVID, zero COVID policy of China. They finally are open again. So now we're starting to see some of that cargo come in. It's all going to be hitting the West Coast. What if things start to break down? I mean, it's great that they're moving forward. But what if things start to break down and mm. they don't have a contract that they can point to that rules the day? Business needs certainty. Sounds like your next throw pillow. 
Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. How long does it go before tensions get to that point, or can they get to that point where they start the, uh, the not slow walking, but they, they call it, what do they call it, working to the rule, right? Which is uh, screwed us up last time pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've had a couple of instances before where this has gone on for months and months and months. I mean, you know, we, we've had a 10-day lockout in 2002. We had, um, you know, automation is always the issue here. And so that's partly what's going on. There's some some heightening of some drama. Um, you know, right before they sat down May 12th, there was an article released on how automation was so great during COVID. Just recently, before, I think a day or two before the contract was set to expire, the ILWU released a, um, a, a article or, or a funded, they funded a report that said that um, it actually costs more money having automation during COVID-19. So it's getting a little back and forth on this very, very contentious issue. You know, I don't know. We're, we're Hopefully we keep moving forward. They've sat down with President Biden. He seems to be happy with how they're moving forward. Labor Secretary um, Marty Walsh, she's formerly from Boston, so he understands maritime uh, for the most part. You know, he, he's said that he's not too concerned. He thinks that they're going to keep moving forward. Um, they've actually, the two parties have talked about during COVID, they were still negotiating things as COVID was hitting, um, even though they had a contract in place. So, I mean, there's certainly a spirit of trying to work together here, but this little kind of, you know, punches back and forth on the automation reports. It's a well, little nerve wracking. Hold on a second. Cause let's see if we can start some conspiracy theories and, yeah, and some there. controversy. Yeah. Now yes. take a look Please, at what it. I saw over at like the porch just the other day. Look at this robot on fire at long beach container terminal. What? That's one of the crane operators there. He says the robot is on Fire, you guys, no uh, I don't know, during the middle of negotiations, I'm not sure. Could this was no suspect. boating accident. What do you think, Lauren? I mean, I liked your I liked your Twitter response there, or your headline that said he's not showing up to the negotiation tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> what do you make of that one, Charles? Uh, you know, I'm just kind of wondering if it's the start of a new world order or something along that. I mean, it's a, it's a real prisoner's love, but they have to. It, yeah. They have to come to terms eventually, right? Because like they won't have a job, we won't have any stuff. The country will go, uh, you know, cats and dogs will get married. Yeah, I, dogs I, will start knowing their dogs. Yeah, the living in the streets. Yeah, do, yeah, cats dogs might take over, and the cats locusts, the cats. locusts will you know, be coming. And automation is here to stay. Automation is moving yeah, forward. It, I think as an industry, we need it. Like we said, lo logistics and, and business love certainty, and certainty comes through some of that digitization, digitalization, moving things online. I think that the trick will really be making sure that we don't lose those jobs, making sure that we figure out a way to effectively transition or shift. Maybe it's a QA, maybe it's, you know, maybe uh, quality assurance, maybe it's somebody making sure that the container numbers as entered are correct, but they're not the ones with the human error, potentially in inserting the, the container numbers incorrectly. Um, you know, I, I think that it's going to help. I think people want to get away from some of that manual, um, yeah. you know, entry that, that now we have on computer systems generally, but I don't know, I, I, it's here to stay. And so we need to embrace it while also maintaining um, a, a good effort to to keep our labor union healthy and moving and and gainfully employed. You know what my throw pillow says? I do not. <laughs> I, I'm glad to say my uh, throw to pillow. America, I have no clue. <laughs> my throw <laughs> pillow says in a negotiation, it wasn't successful if both parties aren't at least a little bit unhappy. I'm with you. And to that, I was going to ask, are, are we to glean any information as to who's got the upper hand or who will get the upper hand the longer this goes? You know, it's it's hard to say. I mean, so the there's a lot of money being seen by all of these ocean carriers, and you know they're they're kind of the terminal. Um, so they're you know 
could the labor union say, and we all want a Mercedes Benz at the end of this? I mean, maybe there's a lot of money that's going around on the ocean side of things. But on the other hand, you know, I mean, we we still got to move the goods and you can diversify ports of entry. And, you know, the East Coast is seeing some congestion because of just that. People don't want to be sitting being held hostage essentially off the coast. They want to figure out how to get their goods into the country because for the most part, it's imports. And so how, how do we do that? So you, you move around, you go to a different port. Well, Lauren, now for the most important question of this interview. Do dogs know their dogs? Depends on the breed. And also depends on if it's a dog man out of Michigan. Have you ever heard of dog man? No. Yeah, just is it like the moth it's man? like a mythical. No, it's like a mythical creature that lives in the woods. So, like, I think he knows he's a dog. Myth? I think not. <laughs> well, so's the so's the moth <laughs> man, right? The moth man. He made a bridge collapse, and that's uh, right. Yeah, that's right. He was in a movie. Sasquatch, I believe. Check the hat out. Sasquatch does exist. Well, Lauren, you have a lot going on that people can check out. Where's the best place to reach out to you? Check out the the show you've been doing and all that kind of stuff. Sure. So by Landed by Sea is my show. I do it every Friday at 1 p.m. I've also moved it over to a podcast now. So check it out wherever you get podcasts. Throw it into your rotation right after What the Trek um, by Landed by Sea. But if you want more information, <laughs> uh, maritimeprofessor.com is a great place to get in touch with me or LinkedIn. Well, thank you for calming some of our uh, port contract anxiety today. We appreciate you. Have a great weekend. You too. Thank you. Take care. I was not. I was glad we talked to her because there has been a lot of people who've reached out and they've been like, "What does this mean? What does it mean?" And I'm like, "I think they're going to come to terms, but it could take a while." I, I'm not sure. I need to bring on an expert. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's that automation part, and and hopefully they just come to an agreement on somehow how to, like she said, slowly integrate that because it has to be done, right? But I don't yeah. want to see people displaced out of jobs either. Speaking of integrations, here's how I track and trace all my shipments. Wow. Yeah, there we go. Maybe there's a better way. Is that a drone? Well, no, you got to use the bird. You can only trust the bird, right? Real bird. Keeping him him on your shipment in real time. Is that a mallard? With the GPS. Like the carrier pigeons. (laughs) But maybe there's a better way. Maybe there is. Let's talk to Michelle DeFranzo. She's the president and CEO of IMEX Cargo. Maybe we can get off birds and maybe get digital or GPS or use satellites or some of this tech we've been talking about today. Michelle, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Nice to see you guys. How is Eastie doing? How is Eastie doing these days? Not only am, not only did I used to work on on there, which you already knew, but Michael Vincent used to work right over on uh, McClellan as well. Oh, I didn't realize that, Michael. That's pretty interesting. I was uh, right at the four forty and four eighty McClellan Highway. Well, actually, uh, I'm I, actually I, in yeah. Phoenix, so. I lived like I lived like two blocks off of Maverick Square. Oh yeah, yeah good oh, stuff. Oh wow. Over. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very interesting. Well, Michelle, what is that? Michelle, I was going to say, what what is the biggest issue with tracking and tracing? Now, what is the problem that 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 shippers are having? So the biggest problem is that the tracking is not really reliable, just like your your pigeon. (laughs) Um, And most times that it's really not in real time um, and it's it's not reliable. Um, We talk about real time and. We don't really, we're not really delivering real time. Even in the trucking industry, you'll still see that a lot of that still has to be in human input. Um, And that's why it was exciting to uh, actually uh, find this new um, uh, product device and innovation in technology. And and basically, you know, we call it a GPS tracking, but it's, it's really not that. It does do tracking, but it does a whole lot more. And that's why I was really so um, thrilled to get on your show and, and talk to you about it. So Michelle, can you tell us how you're making it a little bit better? Yeah, so 
This teensy weensy little device Ooh, wow. takes yeah. 30 seconds to um, put onto a container, any standardized container. It slides on and slides off. So there's no, you don't have to screw anything in. There's no mounting. There's nothing like that. And this little device, um, not only does it do tracking, uh, that's like the minimal thing that it does, but it basically, um, it tracks the uh, humidity, the temperature requirements, and its um, security and the movement of the container in real time. So if your container, you slide this on your container and it will, it will let you know every single movement by it's uh, it gets 2000 heartbeats. So every four hours and it's a redundant uh, satellite, iridium satellite and cell based. So there's no, there's no worry about what's it, is it really real time? It is real time. And besides all that, what's really the most fascinating thing is all the data initiatives that this device provides. And this is why it's a game changer. It's not so much just the tracking, but it will let you know that every single movement of the container, it will let you know if there have been any um, unauthorized transshipping, if there's been any security breaches. So you basically will provide PIN numbers throughout your supply chain however you want to distribute them. So even, even for customs can have their own and your consignee could have their own, your receiving can have their own. And basically what it does is if there has been a breach at any stage of the container's journey, you're automatically notified immediately. Oh, wow. And be besides that, you know, all of, I've seen a lot of your guests in, uh, you know, talking about transforming, um, and having the data intelligence behind the GPS tracking. This yeah. is the only device that actually provides that. You can actually see the entire container's journey from start to finish. And those key insights are really what will allow you to transform your supply chain. Because, you know, if you're a service provider like we are, um, you know, you're not calling or waiting for the call you know, the service provider, you know, talks to the carrier, then reports back to yeah. the customer so, who reports well, back Mich to, you know. Yeah, Michelle, the, the values, I, I mean, we all know, anyone who would see the that. value in this yeah. would know, like, all the touch points that we have. But the funniest thing, though, is people who are new to this, like, new to this business, like, new oh, shippers, sure. they don't realize that this stuff's not standard. Like, if you're not in ocean, you're you don't, you're like, wait, because some of the value, the invoice value of some of these containers is, is absolutely massive. You're like, wait, there's no, like, really good way to track that individual container. What's, no. Insurance must love this, too, don't they? Insurance, exactly. So you can actually save money because you can provide the, the history of the container. Yeah. And then not even even that, but if you want to look further, you can actually um, you can you can judge by each of the routes that the container has been taking, the pricing, the carrier, you know, and you'll actually see all of the bottlenecks that your supply right. chain is having. So if you if there's been a breach, you're going to notify, you get notified right away. You might be able to make, you know, uh, adjustments and, and see the exact location of where the container went off course. Yeah. The system is, is IOT based. And so there's geofencing capability. So if you're working on government contracts and you're don't want this shipment to move over a certain continent or country, you put in the parameters of the, um, container information, and it will let you know if that yeah. container has well, gone I mean, off yeah. course. 
Yeah, and those government contracts can include, uh, and many times they do, especially during war times, et cetera, uh, uh, signature service. And you can't have certain people with possession of that oh. container, and you can prove that type of stuff. Can you actively ping it? Hold on. That's, that's what, but speaking of wartime, I'm sorry. She has kind of a cool story, too, about the pivot. that Because IMAX oh. Cargo, they do a lot of air cargo. Oh, um, oh, Michelle, oh, can you oh. tell us a story just really quick about how you had a pivot during the Ukraine-Russia war? Because you used to have a big contract with a, with a Russian liner, didn't you? Oh, oh. Yeah, so we represented the largest freighter, airline, airbridge cargo. And as of February 24th, when the uh, when they invaded Ukraine, um, the operation ceased to be able to exist and, and operate in the United States. So, you know, we had a hand, we had so much cargo at all the warehouses because I don't have to tell you, I mean, this is a 747 freighter that we were operating um, like six times a week. Um, and so that's a lot of capacity that got taken out of our mm. our space. And we had to return all of those shipments. So, you know, I don't have to tell you what the warehouses and, the you know, the trucks have all already oh, gosh, you know, yes. over capacity. Yeah. We were busting at the seams in, in the warehouse. So um, as soon as that happened, you know, because it, it was like everybody was kind of waiting. And so it was almost like they were shipping like it was Christmas every day. Yeah. Um Knowing that that could potentially happen, so we went from being game busters to actually having uh, no availability of that freighter space. So that was it was really challenging. Um, you know, we really had to work hard to get all the uh, shipments back, and then obviously, you know, customs and border control and and everybody was you know in yeah. in the space to try to make sure that those didn't get out, and and it was it was challenging to say the least. Michelle, I have two really basic questions, but I think they're important for people to understand, and I want to understand it myself. You said slide it on. Does that go on or in the container or on the doors? And two, two on, can I actively... Okay, so that's like going across the latches. Can I uh, actively ping it, or am I, or am I a passive observer as, if I'm using this? If you're using this, you can ping this at any time, but okay. it offers every every four hours and it will go to your cell phone or any of the email throughout your entire supply chain. Uh, however you want to set that up. So it really helps as far as even controlling cost, you know, because even if the container, if you had uh, goods in there that, you know, maybe got damaged now because the temperature or humidity was no good. Now you could still take action yeah. and maybe send out an emergency shipment uh, maybe buy air freight instead of waiting until the container actually got there yeah, and to not tracking. know. Nice. Yeah, tracking so, and tracing now is looking at your yeah. dock to see if it's here. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. So, so that that's like the, the last thing that it does. It does, you know, it does that as well, but it's really about the entire container's journey. It's there's nothing else that I have seen on the market that is like this. And the founding members are actually, they, they built this with Airbridge, uh, Airbus Defense in mind. Very and cool. so they have, a, yes. So Michelle, we're just about, Michelle, we're just about out of time. Where's the best people to go, though, to get more information about this? I think we, you know, we've wet some appetites there. So those who are interested, where do I send them to? So you can send them to our website at imexcargo.com. They can also look at securesystem.net. 
and see the information there. We're also uh, hosting a couple of the webinars. Cool. So we're doing Thank you, Michelle. We can send them to the website for, for all that. Thank you. We are a little bit, uh, we're a little yeah. bit short on time. We appreciate your time on the show today. Have an amazing weekend. Awesome. Thank you so much. Take it easy. A little good news, bad Bye, news. Then we'll take you away. Bad news and good news. Oh, yeah. Man, I don't know. Crash. Yep. Hope he's okay. Yeah. Okay, good news. My wife, she just got back from the grocery store and she got a quart of Publix Moose Tracks ice cream. Nice. I was so excited nice. last night. Show this picture. I took out my biggest coffee cup. I got, I filled it up with the ice cream. I sit on the couch. I put on some YouTube. And all of a sudden, I find this ring in there. I got a close-up on it. You can see it in the cup there, but go to the close-up. Uh, Look what? at that thing. Look at that ring. It's plastic. It is, it's like a stretchy-ish rubber. I initially thought it was a gasket. Some of uh, my uh, female don't, 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 uh, companions don't, don't. and counterparts, they thought it was a birth control Nuva ring. Like uh, Publix <laughs> is somehow smuggling birth control within their ice cream. I don't know what it is. I don't want it in my ice cream. And this is not even the first time I've had a problem with Publix packaged food by their own brand. Look at this one. Back in September, I got a damn ladybug in my salad kit. Now that's fresh. I that's a fresh salad right Would there. Would you still bro. eat the ladybug salad? I'm impartial to it. Yeah, you just wash but it. But it's obviously there's I mean, no, you know it's organic. There's no uh, pesticides. That on doesn't there. bother me as burst. that yeah. doesn't bother me as much as the the, the Nuva ring in the ice cream. No, yeah, I'm not, not sure I would have gone any further with it. <laughs> yeah, that or it's just like a gasket. And now there's just like there's someone at that factory like why is moose tracks shooting out all over the place? <laughs> here's some here's some good news, my friend. Yes, it's a beautiful day in Chattanooga, and you're driving. You're out for a beautiful drive. But here's the bad news, dude. Look at this impatient fool who's driving with you. What is what is he attempting here? Is this like it looked like he he might have? I think he's trying something he saw he on a cartoon. The first once. one and then just hitting everyone. <laughs> he just can't slow himself. He's just down. zigging zagging along. He's he's got to get to Publix and get himself some uh, moose track ice cream. Man, he just <laughs> he wanted to get the prize in the bottle. <laughs> he wanted to get the prize. Yeah, that's exactly right. Wow. Yeah, and now he's on the other side of the street. Pretty uh, pretty Oops. bad. Maybe I'll try the other side. <laughs> Here's a story we've been following because people at this company haven't gotten paid for two months, right? Bad news. You work at Slink and you haven't gotten paid in two damn months. Can you believe that? I don't know how you keep working for two months without getting paid. So yeah, I don't understand what's interesting. Right? So The Athletic, they put out an article uh, a few weeks ago, right? And it, it initially kind of brought light to all of this because, for some reason, this company thought it was a good idea to sponsor uh, a hockey team, the Dallas Stars. The Dallas Stars, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Freight Tech Company, the synergy between Freight Tech Company and Dallas Stars Hockey, it's, it's so obvious, oh, obvious that you would yeah, go there. Absolutely. I so, only use them if they sponsor hockey. So I guess your CEO, he's just pounding, and this is allegedly, but allegedly he's pounding the town red with all this money. Clarissa Hawes put this thing up, and now a lot of his workers are extra pissed this week because of this. He's over at some tournament. Slink, including their CEO, is over at a tournament in Ireland where to add insult to injury, to add insult to injury, not only do you not get paid, but they finish second to last out of 50 teams. You can't even win it? Any sponsor team that wins. Here, here's what Chris Rosin wrote. He said, hey, Network, I'm looking for a job. My LinkedIn is right here. Chris is a great guy. Help him out. He's got his resume up. He said he can't comment on internal matters, but Slink employees have not been paid in almost two months, and this is not sustainable for my family. No, it's not, Chris. You, I, In my opinion, you've made the right decision. You should not say to any job for two months without getting paid. Should you? You know about this. Recruiting, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely Amazing. Ridiculous. And then he's, out, he's still out, like, talk about optics. Why is he out there golfing? 
I don't know. I have no idea. Hey, here's some good Tone news, down. brother. You just finished your delivery. It's Friday. You're going to get out of there, my friend. Yeah. Here's the bad news. You're having some trouble getting out Let's of this parking lot. Let's take a look at you getting out of this parking lot. Um, Dale! Oh, 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 sounds like oh wait a minute. Dale! 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 Oh! Guys, can you rewind that to the yeah. beginning, too? I want to see him hit the building. Oh, does he hit the start. building, too? Hey, man, you put it into the building. <laughs> and he thinks it's Dale! over. He thinks that's it. He's like, you hit the building. And then he's like, wait a second, now he's hitting all the cars. Dale! He just smashed. I just took uh, off, yeah, man. Yeah, Maybe yeah, the yeah. owners would move their car, put them in a tough position. Where do people go to find you, mister? Or you can email us at info at hotseatservices.com. Beautiful. Thank you for tuning in the show. You can find What the Truck wherever you get podcasts. Just subscribe. We're Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays when we're not on vacation. Download Freeway. See you. See you. Some beautiful living color. At Timothy Dooner on the Twitter. At Michael Vincent. Um, at Back the Truck. Have a great weekend. Don't be yeah. a stranger and tell them how to be. Peace and love. Spread it everywhere. <laughs>